Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Park. I wish I could pull this song off. Welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. In the news today, Democrats still don't like Republicans, and the feeling is mutual. And there's more stuff about the Russian investigation, a secret society, and the FBI. Robert Mueller wants to interview Trump. Trump says he looks forward to it now. But what's on my mind is professional wrestling. This is the theme music of Shawn Michaels. Well, joining me tonight, um, you really, I think, bonded over the, the shows I do, and you listen, but found common love for wrestling. My guest tonight is Mike Dean. Mike Dean, hey Mike, how you doing? Good, brother, how's it going? Oh, I'm doing well, doing well. And yeah, I was going through, like, quickly this morning, what theme entrance music should I... Pull up. I just, I love the old Shawn Michaels. Yeah, can't so. go wrong with the Heartbreak Kid. Yeah, HBK, he's great. And, um, well, first off on my mind, I was talking to you about it off air, is about, had to be over a year now, a year ago, my roommate got the network, WWE Network, and at first it was a nostalgia play. And it was like, okay, I want to watch the old WCW stuff because that's what I was allowed to watch when I was nine years old when the Monday Night War was going on. But it went from watching old stuff and the nostalgia play to I'm really into at least what WWE has on offer. And uh, I kind of want to check out some of the other uh, promotions because, you know, for instance, what Jericho just did with Kenny Omega. Oh, it was amazing. Uh, New Japan Pro... uh it was an amazing match. I don't know if you saw it online. Not yet. Oh, I was... saw the lead up to it, like all the promos they were doing. Yeah, it was outstanding. It was really, really something. So I watched some professional wrestling, some as a kid. Just got back into it in the last year. And I really am watching the new stuff. Love the Raw 25th anniversary. But what's your story, Mike, when it comes to watching wrestling, being a fan, and maybe even being involved in it? Uh, same deal. As a kid, probably... Oh, I don't know, eight, nine years old. We lived in Louisiana. My dad was military, so we moved around a lot, lived all over the place. Uh, but we lived in Alexandria, Louisiana, and uh, NWA and WCW would come through there, gosh, almost every three or four months. And my dad had a secondary job driving a taxi, and he would do airport shuttles and stuff like that. Yeah. And so the guys would come in on the planes and... He would bring us up there so we could, you know, meet some of the wrestlers. And I can remember seeing Ric Flair and Sting and stuff like that and just, you know, fell in love with it. Uh, just watching it on Saturday mornings after the cartoons. Who was uh, your favorite as a kid? Oh, man. Of course, everybody's going to say Hogan. Hulk Hogan was huge as a kid. I can't really stand him now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, of course, the man, uh, and Sting. Sting was yeah. larger than life. Yeah, Sting. Sting was great, and he was one of the few in WCW after the NWO turn who really, uh, you know, he kept himself alive. It was brilliant, the movie, going up to the rafters and not being part of the chum for the NWO crowd. That's right, yeah. The long burn, as they say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he really 
played that out well. But I, I interrupted you. So you're you're you know watching it as a kid. Your dad's helping you meet some of the wrestlers. Um, what, how, where does your fandom or your just it, it continues from there? From watching it, um, a kid at school gave me a thing called a pro wrestling torch. It was a little newsletter that you could pay seven dollars uh, a month for, and you would get an issue every week. And back then, they pre-taped a lot of the stuff that was put on television. So, reading this thing, you could read exactly what was going to happen. Also, a lot of the the uh, the politics behind the scenes and things yeah. like that. And that just you know that broke kayfabe for me knowing what was going to happen. And I used to love sitting there watching it going, hey, this, guess what's going to happen next, you know? Um, and just the whole politics behind it and everything was just amazing to me. Um, you know, and, and understanding which wrestlers were actually pulling the strings and and controlling things behind the scenes and stuff like that was uh, was real fascinating to me. And so just from there, watching uh, WCW a lot, same deal. I, I didn't really much watch Raw, but... Uh, or watch Raw much. Uh, WCW is the show that I kind of kept up with a lot. Uh, and then it just turned into uh, a lot of backyard wrestling. <laughs> so you actually started just getting out there in the backyard. Oh, yeah, taking bumps. I love taking bumps. I'd let my brother, you know, choke slam me, power bomb me, things like that. Uh, I would blade myself, so I would bleed. And, uh, I've jumped off of 20-foot ladders. and You were just doing this, like, on grass in the backyard? We, had, set up a we ring? would set up some mattresses oh, and kind right, of a yeah. makeshift ring around that. Um, we'd have friends from the neighborhood come over and watch us do this stuff and uh, taking floor bulbs and busting them over our heads and <laughs> just crazy you know looking back now i wouldn't let my kids get out and do that stuff but uh but it was a lot of fun um from there uh kind of just continued to watch really didn't get into much of it uh and then we moved to uh florida uh just me and my my family personally yeah and uh we were living in defuniac springs uh kind of doing an off-the-grid living actually uh, we bought an RV and moved it out into the woods and wow. caught, caught our own rainwater for water and all that kind of stuff. And uh, found a local promotion down there called New Heights Wrestling and uh, just showed up one day and said, hey, you know, I'd like to train and help out in any way. And so it started as setting up the ring. And then on Saturdays, training with um, a guy named Waylon Barley, who runs the promotion down there. Um, and then... After a few months, they put me in because I could take bumps. They put me in as a jobber so that they could have, you know, fill matches because uh, they'd put on a show once a month at the fairgrounds. And so I'd pretty much get in there with a mask on and just let them beat the stew out of me. And it was uh, <laughs> the most thrilling thing, I think, ever, though, for me. It was just that brief moment of, of doing that for those few months was just exhilarating. Well, and you've also dabbled uh, with magic and as a magician. Yeah, um, that's what got me used to, I guess, being in front of crowds and stuff. When I was about 13, uh, we lived in Tucson, Arizona, and uh, used to have to walk home from school, uh, either that or take the city bus. I preferred to walk. And there was a little magic shop between my house and school. And so one day I just happened to stop in there and... Uh, was just amazed by the place and there was a group of old magicians they had like a little lounge in the back where the guys would sit and smoke cigarettes drink coffee and talk magic and do tricks with each other and uh, i met a guy named bruce martin who uh had a skin condition he couldn't go out in the sun for mm -hmm. very long so um me and him got to talking one day he said i'll tell you what you come over on saturdays and you do some yard work for me and i'll teach you anything you want to know in magic Wow. Well, it turned out, too, that he was also the producer for a magic show that they did once a month at the Gaslight Theater there in Tucson. 
And uh, so he said, you know, the one act that I don't have going on right now is a skate artist kind of thing. So uh, he trained me in a lot of the skate artists, escaping from handcuffs and, and things like that. And I uh, started doing shows on stage uh, at like 14. Wow. And did that for, gosh, several years, about two or three years. And uh, that was just a lot of fun. Well, and I, I bring it up because both those worlds are, are almost similar. They have their own jargon. They have their own secrets of the trade. It's kind of like if you pay your dues and you're there, I think, genuinely, you can get in. You can you know ex- work the best you can and, and figure out how everything works. And, uh, you know, I mean, you've already mentioned, like, kayfabe and taking bumps and i i know what you mean and i've learned this over the last year kind of really got into it but kayfabe they say the kayfabe era has long been over now yes yeah they say it ended with uh what they call the click which was uh sean michaels uh hunter hearst helms later triple h and uh scott hall and kevin nash uh when scott hall and kevin nash signed their deals with wcw they had one last show with wwe and uh, the guys came out from behind the curtain and actually hugged each other, even though they were supposed to be, you know, villains in the ring. And uh, it wasn't a televised uh, show or anything like that. It was at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, there's some grainy footage of yeah, it. Yeah, um, but it was at Madison Square Garden. And they, they say that's the day that kayfabe died because just your general fans that were there got to see kind of that glimpse behind the scenes. Although I say if you were able to get your hands on one of those, you know, torch newsletters which now you can go on the internet and find out all that kind of stuff right uh but but yeah that's when it officially died well and and so kayfabe is essentially just being in character and and their names for like if you're the good guy you're baby face that's right and then if you're bad guy you're heel yes and they were so strict on kayfabe back in the old days that the good guys had to go to a separate bar from the bad guys uh they didn't mingle as far as driving together and things like that because if you were seen out in public and you know the good guy was with the bad guy and you broke kayfabe there could be serious consequences for you with the promotion that you were with well and i've heard that it it can also there can be consequences when it comes to uh being especially a heel with the crowd like uh, i've heard stories from say chris jericho where he's in mexico and there are people like uh, who want to kill you? Like yes. literally, want to knife you as you're leaving, and it's not like you can go. No, I'm just, I'm just playing a role. Like you have to stay in character, but try not to, you know, get your get killed. Well, the fans in Mexico are, I mean, intense. If I could, that's probably putting <laughs> it lightly. Uh, one of my favorite stories is Roddy Piper when he was touring down there with the Guerreros and everything. Uh, he came out with his bagpipes one time. And he said, everybody, please rise for the Mexican Mexican National Anthem. And he starts playing La Cucaracha on the bagpipes. <laughs> and people are taking and heating up pennies and throwing them at him. Whoa. Um, one guy actually tried to stab him. Uh, so, yeah, they, they take the wrestling very seriously down there, and especially with the heels. Yeah. Um, well, and a good heel, that's exactly what you want. You're looking for, I mean, I guess the term is a pop. You want yes. that... You want a reaction from the crowd. The worst is silence. That's that's the heroine of the business, is getting that pop. Well, and I actually I experienced, uh, I think, what everybody is probably shooting for, especially these days where the lines are a little blurred. But I was went to SmackDown Live in Birmingham last year, and uh, Cena was there. When John Cena came out, I, I heard in person that noise that is created when half the crowd 
it was actually pretty even split in Birmingham. Sometimes it's tilted depending on where you are. Yeah. But that sound of half the crowd is booing, half the crowd is cheering, it creates this sound unlike anything I've, I've ever heard. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I know when we went to WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans, um, Brock Lesnar's pop. Or yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, when he came out, the place popped so loud. I'm, me included, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Um, it's an exhilarating feeling. I mean, you can just, it's electrifying. You can just feel it in the air. Well, I love the Stone Cold story because, I mean, he actually is injured, has this terrible neck injury. Um, and again, the, they get pretty clever with some of the kayfabe gimmicks. Like, they knew it was real. People knew that Owen Hart mishandled a pile driver on Stone Cold and hurt his neck. Yes. So because everybody kind of knows that about Owen Hart, there's a later storyline they did. I can't remember the guy. I'm I'm trying to think the guy he did it to where he, he accidentally did it again. He hurt another guy's neck. And I'm I'm so I'm watching these old Raws, and so I go look it up, and it's like, oh, that was fake. Yeah, they really got they hooked me, like as they call, it, they tricked me. They and, blur that line between reality and and you know fiction there, it's, and they do it very well. It's it's fairly brilliant, and they still will pull fast ones today. It's almost more fun because they today, especially with the network at least and the WWE, they allow you behind the scenes so much. They do a lot of these interviews where the guys, the wrestlers are being themselves, same with the girls, they're just hanging out, they kind of explain a little bit of what's going on, but because you're so hooked in, you think you know what's going on, they can hook you even more and trick you even more now. Yeah, they can work you on the on the stuff, especially on the network, the, you know, the different shows that they have there where you get the uh, you get the feeling of being behind the scenes, but even some of that stuff is scripted oh, yeah. so that they can work you along for the, you know, the long draw. It's it's brilliant, but the point I was making with Stone Cold is he's actually injured so he can't he used to be a guy who could almost do anything, right, in terms of in-ring performance. Yes. Yeah. He, he was incredible, but he can't do that anymore because he's, he's worried about his neck, so he becomes, a, uh, I guess, a brawler. Yeah, more of a brawler, um, less of a technical wrestler, I guess you would say. Yeah. Um, more of just kind of uh, just stomping people and uh, jumping on them, punches, things like that, yeah. Well, and so he, because of the, that limitation physically, he has to come up with, well, how do we sell this character? And in a big way without me even early on being able to do matches and it leads to one of the best storylines i think in wrestling history and one of the best selling clearly and the pops are huge and and if folks haven't been to a wrestling event the crowd is like another character in the show when the crowd is into it it is so much fun i think that's the number one factor yeah, having that crowd behind you, uh, there's nothing worse than hearing crickets. Yeah. Uh, you know, watching a match and everybody's just completely dead silent. So when folks would, uh, essentially, like we were you know, talking about, we watched the 25th anniversary of Raw. It was just this past Monday. And, you know, that first segment, I think, did steal the show where uh, Shane O'Mac, Shane McMahon and uh, Stephanie McMahon come out and then Vince comes out. Uh, his music, the, that classic, iconic walk of his. Swagger. That exaggerated <laughs> swagger. And he hadn't done that in ages. Been on actual Raw in a while. And uh, then you hear the moment. And it's still like, I know the gimmick. 
Like, and I've watched, I've gone back and watched all sorts of old Raws and most of the Attitude Era as it began, and especially early on when Stone Cold has that match uh, with uh, Bret Hart, and they do the double turn. It's incredible, but even though I'm so used to it, once you hear the glass break, like, oh, the crowd goes insane. Yeah, absolutely. And because it is, it's so much fun, and it hits a basic level where... People don't like unjust authority figures who are acting like a-holes. And that's the character Vince pulled off so well. And he was the perfect foil to Stone Cold. Yes. And you could even see him on this past Monday night show. He came out and he was he was kind of baby faced starting it out, you know, thanking the crowd and everything. And then as soon as they presented him the plaque, he, he turned heel mode. Yeah. And then you just you knew he was gonna get it. Oh, this cheap plaque. Yeah, just, oh, well, I guess we are in Brooklyn. Yeah, and I'm sitting there waiting. I'm like, all right, here comes Stone Cold. Any moment now, they're going to hit his music. Come on, come on. And then, of course, glass shatters, and here he comes. Well, that's part of the fun. People, the proverbial question, and it's annoyed the hell out of me now. Don't you know it's fake? Like, yeah. I know it's scripted. Now, maybe if you go back several years, a few decades, there's some people who were completely hooked. They didn't know. Right. Yeah, but for the most part, that most everybody who watches and I think is a serious fan these days knows it's scripted. They know about the history of kayfabe. They know a lot of the terms, but that's part of the fun. It's like watching any. It's like watching Game of Thrones, but it's more you're actually involved. Well, that and just the athleticism behind it. I mean, you know, yeah, they it's pre-scripted and they've got a certain story that they've got to stick to, but you still got to go out there and put on a fifteen twenty minute match. To tell that story, and it takes a great deal of athleticism uh, to do that, you know. Now, in your own experience, uh, just doing some of the smaller promotions, doing it for fun, uh, how much of it is actually? Uh, and I don't give away any trade secrets. I, it's kind of like asking a magician, "How'd you do that trick?" Yeah. <laughs> um, how much of it is completely scripted, or you know you're going to have to hit certain spots, and then somebody's making a call kind of on the fly in the ring? Well, like in the smaller promotion, we would we would sit back before the show, and you know you knew you were going to be working with this person, and so we'd go through. All right, these are the spots I'm going to hit, and me just being the guy that's going to get the crap beat out of me, uh, it was <laughs> like, all right, so I'm going to do this to you, then I'm going to do this to you, and then you know I'm going to throw you against the ropes and come back, clothesline you, and so. Uh, even if it, you know, with it being fake, it's you still take those bumps, man. And and uh, so, and we keep using that term "bump." It's essentially how would you describe it in other terms? Uh, taking a fall, knowing how to take a fall that you actually sell the the injury of it, mm-hmm. but you're not really as hurt as it appears. But from what I'm watching, like a simple what they call it, flat back bump. Yes, you land on the flat of your back, kind of where your shoulders are, and I guess you can use arms, right? To yeah, cushion the fall. Yeah, you can cushion it a little bit that way, but um, mostly it's just taking the full run of it with your back. You want to tuck your head so you don't, you know, snap your neck or anything. Right. But, uh, I'd imagine that doesn't feel good. No. <laughs> and you know, a lot of people say, "Well, they're they're on springs. They're on a. It's like a trampoline." No, it's it's plywood. They've got maybe a one inch uh, foam mat underneath that canvas, hmm. and then it's plywood, and then it's a metal frame. And that's what's holding all that together. So when you take that hit, it's it's not comfortable. <laughs> yeah. What's the thing? In your experience, your own experience, what ha- what hurt the most, or maybe I'll put it another way, scared you the most? Uh, jumping off the 20-foot ladder. 
Mm. Um, I took the bump wrong, landed awkwardly on my ankle, and ended up rolling it pretty bad, and it swelled up. the new stuff is great and the athleticism is now off the charts even like the big guys are doing crazy stunts Braun Strowman Braun Strowman is unreal and I love because I know how this is how it works how are they going to get Braun Strowman over how are they going to convince me that this guy's the real deal and I want to watch him in a main event and I saw him come in and at the program he's done with Kane has been phenomenal. The one he did with Big Show for a little while. Yeah, if you would have told me when he came in with the Wyatt family that he was going to be as huge as he is now, I, I wouldn't have believed it. But it's been he remarkable. so goofy. And <laughs> well, and I've heard him on some podcasts. He's, he's incredibly good. They, I think he's limited, actually, in what he does on the mic. For how his person, his true his personality yeah. is, is he's hysterical and very quick, um, and I almost wonder if they're going to let that blossom going forward a little bit more than just roar to the crowd. I think so. I mean, um, he's he's probably their most over star that they have right now. Yeah. Um, and you know they're kind of put positioning themselves into a corner with him because he should be headlining WrestleMania this year. I mean, he's been their biggest draw so far this year. That behind Brock Lesnar, you know, of course. Um, but, you know, the plans that they have on the book so far is to have Roman Reigns go up against Brock Lesnar. Mm. Um, you're actually going to have a lot of guys that were headlining in the, the past few years that aren't going to be able to find spots in the show for WrestleMania. You know, like Seth Rollins, Dean wow. Ambrose, guys like that because... There's just such limited space for them on the show, and they haven't really done much to develop any kind of storyline for these guys over the past, you know, six or seven months. So uh, Braun Strowman, though, has to be somewhere in the top, but, you know, without him winning the belt this Sunday on, at the Royal Rumble, you know, I don't see anything for him right. other than maybe wrestling Kane again or something like that. Yeah, and they're, I mean, their first few matches are pretty awesome, but that's, that is another problem. And it's where I kind of want to step back uh, a little bit uh, to say that at, when I first started watching, I kept hearing these wrestlers on the podcast talk about telling a story. Telling a story. Now there is the story you tell over months and maybe years, but telling a story uh, within the ring itself. And I want to go back to uh, that double turn with Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin, where essentially Stone Cold comes in as the heel. Hart comes in as the as face, as the big baby face. Especially Bret Hart. He's like always been the yes. hero, right? Yeah. And I watched this match knowing a little bit of the background, and I went, oh my God, I get it. I, I just, I get what they just pulled off there. And I'm sitting there wondering, I, I think I'm remembering correctly from a podcast that uh, Vince didn't want any blood. No. And it's probably one of the most bloodiest, you know, matches that they've had uh, in their history. Well, and, uh, and Stone Cold that night earned the title of being the toughest SOB. He certainly did. And I love how a single match at a big event, that's WrestleMania, right, when they did this. Yeah, it, WrestleMania it's, 17, I believe it was. Yeah, and so you just essentially you don't have Stone Cold. You, Stone Cold doesn't give up. That's I think the the key way they turn this is that Brett doesn't stop. Stone Cold doesn't give up, and so you immediately get this switch of like, oh wow, yeah, and that you know 
that's an iconic, such an iconic image too of Stone Cold sitting there bleeding, and then he doesn't give up. He actually passes out, and that's right. the way for him to get out of that that match without him actually tapping. And it does create the double turn, and now he's the the uh, almost babyface figure going out of that because he's just so damn tough, and you know it. It, it was just amazing. It, well, and I know, and you know, there are moments here in this. We've been now talking for nearly thirty minutes. I forgot we're doing a radio show. This is just a lot. Of, I love talking about this stuff. I'm nerding out a little bit. Um, if I had to ask you, I know there are a lot of great matches in history. Like I have gone back and watched. It's not the last one uh, where Taker retired uh, Shawn Michaels, but the one right before that, yes. the Heaven vs Hell match, and. You know, that's Hale is a great match. And I went back and watched it again. The in ring story is just, it's incredible how they they build up. They each put finishers on. You get the false finishes. Um, and then they end up just brawling at the end. And it, I was thrown, th- taken aback and kind of blown away by how all this works. And I'm, I'm still that way. But if you had to, you know, looking back, especially now that you have the network, say, what are your favorite matches? Oh, man. Um, I'd say The Undertaker, or not Undertaker, I'm sorry, uh, Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair, when he retired Ric Flair. Yeah. Uh, what a story was told there. I mean, you're talking about a match that went almost 30 minutes, and that the key part of it was when uh, Shawn Michaels was about to deliver that last super kick, and he looks over at Ric Flair and is like, I love you, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then just nails him. And, you know, uh, that for me, uh, you know, going back, Way back to the WCW days, pretty much anything with Brock or with Goldberg. Yeah, um, just the intensity that he would show in the ring. Even though a lot of his matches were short, uh, it was just intense, you know. And that spear, and then picking him up for the jackhammer, and the way he would slam him down with that jackhammer uh, was always, you know, big for me. Do you still look back on that and go, "Wait, they ended the Goldberg story, the undefeated streak." Oh, and he, he, folks, Mike just dropped his head yeah. inside here. <laughs> okay, essentially, I can't remember how many matches he won undefeated for uh, a long... Like 170. I mean, it was the number was up there. So you would think you would culminate that in some incredible match. Maybe somebody else does a, a remarkable feat of strength and intensity, or it's somebody technical beats him in some particular way. But how did they end that? Uh, he got zapped by a cattle prod by <laughs> Scott Hall. And Kevin Nash went over in the match. I remember that as a kid. I didn't. I wasn't able to watch the pay per view because I was a kid. And my folks would pay for it. But I remember reading it, going, "Wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> that's how the streak was broken." Yeah, by a cattle prod, and uh, oh. it just goes to show you that at the time uh, at WCW, you had Kevin Nash. Uh, he, I think he was the Booker at the time, and so that was a uh, one of those politic things where. So the Booker is for folks who don't know sets the matches. Yes, and the, the Booker's the one who sets the. Yeah, exactly. Sets the match. Matches, sets the finishes, um, pretty much has the the strings over what everybody's going to be doing, and uh, he wanted the belt. You know, yeah. I compare him a lot to Triple H. You know, Triple H has had control over WWE for the last I don't know 10, 15 years, and uh, if you've ever seen, I think you were the one that, that turned me on to it. Wrestling isn't wrestling. Yes, Max Landis. Yeah, uh, I can't even look at Triple H without thinking about. <laughs> thinking about that video yeah for folks uh, who don't know and maybe don't who want to ask the question is wrestling fake uh yeah in a way it's scripted 
But check out, it's an 18-minute video uh, by Hollywood screenwriter named Max Landis. And in place of the wrestlers, he has essentially all his hot girlfriends who live out in Hollywood with him, who are, you know, kind of up-and-coming actresses, and they're kind of in place. And he overdubs his own storytelling when he does, like, and so-and-so said this. Um, and it's it's very funny, but it makes the point of you can tell when wrestling is really good, and I think we both admit, like, especially I've gone back and watched some old Raw and the Attitude Era, like, there's a lot of crap. Yes. There's a reason, like, the network hasn't done a special on Val Venus, the porn star wrestler. <laughs> like, it was just a bad, and I mean, and he was on there for years with that concept. Yeah. And he was good in ring, but it's like, yeah, uh, we kind of jumped the shark there. But you, when they get it right, and it isn't crap. It is one of the best storytelling mediums that you can tell a story, a character's development over years. Yes. And it's remarkable. Miz is a great example. Landis actually wrote up a whole tweet series. He did what he did for Triple H and Wrestling is Wrestling. He did it for The Miz. And I'll, I'll find it and send it to you. It's really, yeah. really good. Yeah, The Miz is amazing, too, coming from you know being a reality star on... Uh, what was that real show? World. On it? The real world. That's yeah. right. And then uh, being on Tough Enough, and then breaking into the business. And um, I used to be a huge Miz fan. Had the shirt. It's awesome. Yeah. I remember they came to Garrett Coliseum, and uh, it was when he was doing a big heel run. And uh, so everybody's booing, and I'm the only one standing up, going, "Yeah, you're the man." <laughs> um, but yeah, and he looks at you and goes, "Don't cheer me. Yeah. You didn't cheer me before. <laughs> That's right. You're not supposed to cheer me." Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, the Miz is great. Uh, great story just again developing his character over the years and now it looks like he's going to be one of the headliners at Wrestlemania since he's gotten the Intercontinental title back yeah and for folks out there my two reactions to wrestling are the like oh my god moments like an incre- they pulled off an incredible stunt um, I guess the the recent one with uh, Shane McMahon jumping off a 20-foot cage. Yes. Uh, he's going to drop an elbow onto a table 20 feet below to Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn Kevin, Kevin Owens out of the way, yeah. Pulls him out of the way, and I was listening to how that moment went down. Like, I think Shane had time to practice that fall onto a bag and how to land that 20-foot drop just right. Because if you don't land it just right, you could really hurt yourself and not kill yourself. Yeah. You miss that table, you're in a lot of trouble. Right, and so, but then Sami Zayn's perspective is, I can't practice my role. Essentially, my role is I have 1.8 seconds to grab Kevin Owens off that table. And, and like so, if I mess up, uh, we have two people that are very, very hurt. Yes. Two big stars, very, very hurt. And so you get those oh my god moments, like and great stuff, like with uh, Big Show and Braun Strowman when they did the they broke the uh, the ring, broke the ring, does a suplex. Two men who are freaking huge. I don't know how much they're weighing these days, but definitely over three bills. Well, even stuff like Braun Strowman a couple of weeks ago flipping over a semi. Right? Know? Yeah. I don't. What is that? <laughs> And so you get these oh my god moments where you're like I didn't realize they were going to do that stunt, but then I my other reaction is just straight up a guffaw, like heavy laughter, and it's usually like what heels are doing. Like an old example is Jericho. 
in WCW. It's where he's, I think he's on his run where he's saying, I beat Goldberg, but he's beating somebody who's fake, or Goldberg doesn't Gilberg. come out. Yeah, Gilberg. <laughs> and uh, somebody dressed up like Goldberg, definitely, you know, scrawny little dude, and probably look like me. Nothing worse <laughs> than me. I've actually been doing DDP yoga. So it works. It does work. I haven't, you know, I haven't started. I've had it for maybe two years, and I haven't put the first one in and started it. <laughs> but I need to. There's this moment where Jericho's walking down the ramp to the ring, and there's this kid who has a, like, I love, I'm a Jericho-holic, or I love Jericho sign. He grabs the sign and rips it up <laughs> and yells at the kid. It just makes me laugh so hard. Um, those are my two main reactions. Like, oh, my God, that's an incredible stunt, or uh, that's freaking hilarious man yeah there's a great story kurt henning i believe it was uh was coming down to the ring one time and somebody had a ball and they wanted him to autograph it and he takes the ball from the kid kicks it out into the audience you know <laughs> stuff like that that stuff just cracks me up now, have, how many of these guys have you met oh goodness um I met a lot of them down at uh, when we went to New Orleans for WrestleMania. Alberto Del Rio, Dolph Ziggler, yeah. um, some of those guys. Uh, working down in the independents, a lot of the guys would come through, like uh, Road Dog Jesse James. Yeah. Um, you had uh, Bullet Bomb Armstrong, which is his father, actually. Um, he actually tag team wrestled with him at one of the shows that I was at. And uh, just all sorts of guys. And then what's really neat is uh, there's a guy called Paul Jordan. Uh, that used to wrestle in NHW, and he's now at the Performance Center and wrestling on NXT. So, uh, you knowing some of these guys as they've come up through the ranks, watching a lot of independent wrestling online, and seeing these guys come up, it's, you know, it's pretty cool. It's really cool, and we've mostly been focused on WWE, a little WCW, but there is, NXT's part of WWE, it's kind of Triple H's baby, and it's almost like a farm system. Yes. And it's great. Because these folks are going hard. They want yes. to make it. And it's a lot of fun. But then also you have other promotions like Ring of Honor, um, uh, New Japan. New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, I would say TNA, but they're in such shambles nowadays. I don't know if, know if you can really well, and count I, them as... And I heard, don't they have like an octagon ring? They did, and they actually just recently went back to a four-sided ring. I heard that the octagon ring was not as forgiving as your regular ring. Well, your ropes are a lot shorter um, as far as the length of them, hmm. so you didn't get as much spring back on them as you would like the just the, the regular twenty foot ropes. Um, so yeah, I've, I've heard the same thing that it was very difficult to work. You don't have typical right angle corners to work right. on and stuff like that. So it, it's um, man, and I almost have envy to go do go try it, like to take a chop to the chest because yeah. <laughs> it's gonna hurt man it does hurt but it's, it's again it's an adrenaline rush it's it, a lot of fun it, it's a it's a blast um and i'm having a lot of fun talking about it but we actually you know have to hit a break so we're gonna hit this break again my guest tonight uh, is mike dean and we just both love wrestling he's actually done some of it which i'm envious of <laughs> but you know Maybe never say never. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, you never know. Sometimes I gotta do more than DDP. I'll be more than happy to chop you across the chest here. Oh, (laughs) sure. (laughs) We'll be right back. Welcome back. 
listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Tonight we're just, you know, fanboying out on wrestling. My guest this evening is Mike Dean. If you don't know who this is, I mean, come on, folks. Gotta put your four fingers in the air. He's the man. Woo! <laughs> it's so good. Like, even seeing, I don't, he's 80-something now. And he was on the Raw 25th anniversary. He did a little promo spot with his daughter. Yeah. It was hilarious. It was fantastic. He's still got it. He's still the man. And that 30 for 30 on Flair was fantastic. Have you got that? I have. Oh, just, it's amazing the life that he's lived. Well, and I loved how honest he was. Yes. That I kind of sacrificed my life for the, the business to be this character. Like, uh, what is his real name? Richard Flair? Yeah, Richard Flair. And, yeah, he became Ric Flair and really sacrificed his, his whole life for this. And he's one of the lucky ones that, it, you know, it hasn't turned a tragedy for him. You know, there's so many of them that, that give up everything in their life, their families and stuff like that, and then end up tragically either dying at an early age or, in, you know, being alone, losing their family, things like that. Right. You know, so... Well, and I mean, I was mentioned to you off air. I went because Royal Rumble's coming up this Sunday, the pay per view. Yes. Um, it should be a lot of fun. But uh, I was watching 2001's Royal Rumble, and it opens up with uh, Edge and Christian against the Dudley Boys. Ladder match. Uh, well, and then the ladder match was for the IC title. Oh, that's right. That was the Chris Benoit and Jericho. And I'm watching that going, damn, they're taking a lot of risk and a lot of bumps. And I imagine. At least I've heard that the the latter element really it makes it the risk a bit higher. Yes. Well, there's only so much you can fake with a ladder. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, and if you land wrong, um, if you don't land, on, well, they did this one spot where Benoit has leg. They're up on the top rope, and the ladder's leaning on the ropes in the corner, and they're up on the top rope and Benoit puts his leg through one of the rungs and then Jericho's they're hitting each other and the ladder falls and Benoit falls back and does a bump but if he doesn't land that correctly his leg breaks yeah exactly it's like they're taking risk after risk after risk and for folks who don't know the Benoit story I mean the guy because I think of a lot of the uh, the CTE, a lot of the concussions, of concussions yeah. and then I think also a lot of the uh, supplements he was taking. Yes, yeah, he Steroid ended up like abuse. killing his family and committing suicides, and that actually changed a lot of the culture. I think. Yeah, they. Um, in fact, it it altered another storyline when that happened. If, if you remember, Vince got into a limousine and was blown up. They were going to yeah. kill off the character of Vince McMahon so that he could stay more behind the scenes. And then that following week is when Chris Benoit kills his family. And uh, he's got to come out there and, you know, at first they actually made a public, you know, not knowing what all had happened. They just knew that they were dead or that Chris was dead. Um, came out there and, you know, made a public announcement about it happening and everything. And then when all the details finally came out, it was like, scrub Chris Benoit from everything WWE-related. It's still that way. Yes. If you go on the network, it will... You can skip ahead into matches on a lot of these old pay-per-views, and it'll usually say so-and-so against so-and-so. And it'll just say, match for the IC title. Yeah. It Like, they have... 
I mean, they haven't. I, I appreciate they haven't removed him completely. Right. You can still see some of the matches, but and it's a tragedy because he was so good. He was. He's one of my favorites. Uh, I love the Crippler. You know, when one of your finishers is to jump off the turnbuckle and use your head as a, a weapon, yeah. um, you know, those kind of things happen. A lot of chair shots, a lot of ladder shots, um, and then just those headbutts, man. Now, one thing I was blown away by though when I went up to SmackDown Live last year is. Uh, you know the crowd i was like wait this seems like an auburn game like a lot of parents with their kids yes um um, every race men women like the two girls that sat next to us were like 24 25 big groupies they wanted to sleep with randy orton and aj styles (laughs) and and i'm not assuming that they told me that right uh and it's i was like kind of blown away by how diverse the crowd was how many people were there and they have embraced in a way uh the pg era there's a reason my mom wouldn't let me watch wwf at the time and watch raw because especially as i'm watching these old ones on the network i'm like oh i get why she wouldn't let me yeah. do that <laughs> jerry lawler is saying puppies way too often <laughs> crotch shots and yeah. things like that yeah well and i i laughed because you know some when the me too thing got started uh some feminist wrote a fairly you know i understood the point of the article and was fine about hey guys before you go at this business meeting and you see all these attractive young ladies. Imagine they look like this, and they switch out the image of these hot girls at work with The Rock. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. Like, yeah, you probably wouldn't go hit on The Rock. Well, maybe you would. I don't know. And, uh, and so I, I just quietly, without any comment, posted a video of The Rock talking to China one day. There's where China was like the ninth wonder of the world, and she's on some terror and so the rock comes out and he goes china you know the reason why you're probably you know in this mood is you haven't gotten laid in a while and like makes his goons the rock does the corporate goons put her on her knees and he's holding the mic in a fairly suggestive way and I'm like yeah that's your champion ladies yeah. and, and that stuff wouldn't fly today at all oh no. man well and on the 25th anniversary show they're <laughs> like the crowd yelling a hole a hole and they're not actually saying hey and holy shaving cream holy. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes me laugh that, like you can't censor the crowd really we right. try but the crowd's gonna be the crowd and i think some of those, those are some of the most fun shows i've seen is when the crowd is actually taken over um usually you're raw right after wrestlemania yeah. um the crowd just completely goes wild and takes over the whole show it's pretty funny yeah i mean it, like i said they become a character in the show absolutely and, and really take on a life of their own do you think this is a business that uh has a future that will grow or do you think it'll evolve? i mean it's hard to say but. you know uh, it is hard to say i, I want to say that they've plateaued because of their lack of uh especially for wwe their lack of competition you know um ring of honor is probably one of the well, Ring of Honor and New Japan, probably the closest rivals that they have, and they don't even come close in production value and, right. and you know the in-ring stuff is ten times better than what you would see in a WWE match because it's more scripted down and and made for that PG audience. Whereas your Ring of Honor, your New Japan, and stuff like that is what they call strong style. It's more about the technical wrestling and mm. and just the intensity of that. Um, but, you know, I was reading earlier that Fox is actually looking at buying WWE from 
uh, Vince McMahon. And he's been making a lot of moves lately to reduce the debt of the company. He's been selling shares off and stuff like that. Now, whether or not he would ever do that, you know, that's been his baby since he was uh, under his, the tutelage of his dad when his dad finally gave him the reins and said, all right, let's see what you can do with it. And, you know, he put his house up for mortgage and everything like that to put on that first WrestleMania. And he's grown it into this multi-billion dollar industry. Um, it's hard to say if it's... If, I, I think it's just plateaued. Yeah. Um, unless some electrifying person comes along that can cross, you know, all different genres and, and barriers or whatever for the age groups that they target, um, I don't see it getting any better. Um, so it's it's really hard to say. Well, and it's not to say that the current programs going on now are, are bad. No, not at all. Uh, you know, it, it has its its place, you know, depending on the type of fan that you are. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, they've got to do something about the three-hour Raws. <laughs> they too long. To, they, yeah, they seem to drag on. They need to concise that down to two hours. Yeah, I, I've noticed it, too. And they're probably going to have to change the whole way it's done because I think cable is slowly becoming obsolete. Slowly. Yes. Mind you, folks. Well, they were smart to get out ahead of the whole internet revolution with the WWE network, you know, delivering a lot more content on the network for people to consume. Um, I don't know what their subscriber count is uh, now, but I know their first goal was to hit a million, and I'm sure they've far surpassed that at this point. Well, and uh, Triple H and uh, they did. They did DX uh, reunion on the 25th anniversary, yeah. and Shawn Michaels made a fantastic point. Well, I can't tell you all these stories, uh, what we used to do, but you can go watch it on the network, and you can. And it's it's created this whole almost ecosystem of uh, websites and podcasts. Like, I was listening to one where it's two guys who grew up with Raw. They were a little older, I think, than you and I when that was coming out in the late 90s. And they essentially just talk up a particular pay-per-view event. Yeah. And, like, you know, because they were there initially, they just talk it up, and it does get you excited to go watch a pretty old pay-per-view. Yeah. Like, a lot of those old ones really do hold up. They really do. I, I like just kind of randomly going back, like, uh, like Royal Rumbles coming up, like you did. I'll go back and start watching the Royal Rumbles from last year to the year before, the year before, the year before. Um when I finally got WrestleMania tickets for this one coming up... Uh, oh, you did? Get- I did, yeah. For Christmas, I got some. Oh, nice. So, taking the kids and everything down to uh, to New Orleans, which ought to be culture shock for them. <laughs> <laughs> Have they ever been? They've never been to oh, wow, to, to New Orleans or to a, a WrestleMania, so... Well, if I ever hit it big, <laughs> y'all need to start listening well, more. No, I mean it. I like. I would love to be front row WrestleMania oh, one, man. at one time. Me too. I'd have to mortgage my house off. To I do know. That, it, I'd imagine it's got to be ridiculous. I mean, just the nosebleed seats that we got were. It was. It was pricey. Pricey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw like when I was looking at SmackDown seats. It, I mean, up front is still hundreds of dollars, and so yeah. I can't imagine for their biggest event of the year. The house show seats for front row that when they came to Montgomery, I think were one hundred and fifty bucks a piece. Damn. I mean, that's the place to be. Yeah. Like, after having gone, it's like, okay, I got pretty close. I was on the floor, like, 12 rows back, and I could see a lot, but it's not the same. If you're, like, right there front and center, you might get hit. Yeah. You know, I, yeah they, slap the hands. Slap the hands. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that would be fantastic, but... That's awesome that you're taking the kids yes. to WrestleMania. That will be a culture shock. It would just be nice if they actually uh, followed the product. You know, we, I took up to the house show and they were like twiddling their thumbs, like, "Who's this? Who's this guy? Yeah, or, what's this guy?" 
So I've got to educate them a lot in the next couple of months so that they can uh, go in and actually enjoy the show. Well, some of my new favorites are like the New Day. I love yes. the New Day. Love the New Day. Um, also love what is uh, AJ Styles calling now Cammy. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin, Owens Kevin Owens and, and Sami Zayn, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's just, turning Sami Zayn into a heel. It was one of the best decisions ever. Though he's sitting there, apparently Vince told him that uh, to be a heel, I want you to do what you've always done. Sammy realized, wait, has he always found me annoying? Has he always <laughs> just hated me? And yeah, probably. Um, but they're going to they're gonna be trying to be the first co champions ever. I, I like the like those guys because they're they're great in ring, but they're hysterical. Yeah, they've got great chemistry. They really really good. Um so I, I like them. I, I wasn't big on the gender mahal train. Uh uh, Jinder Mahal doesn't do it for me either. Um, I like, uh, I guess, out of current wrestlers, uh, AJ Styles is phenomenal, which I followed him through his Ring of Honor, and, and uh, even in his TNA days, he was phenomenal. So He was great in, in person. He's great in ring. Yeah. Um, He's grown on me. Again, Braun Strowman. It's been very impressive. I'm looking to see if they can keep the momentum going. I've been impressed. Yeah. It should be good. I think it's all going to come down to how they how they get out of that match at, at Royal Rumble this weekend. 